The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there, there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Mission Impossible. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What's up, Jason? What's up, Kerwin? Uh, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Just sipping on a nice uh, Michelob Ultra right now. So. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Also joining me is Mugga. How are you doing, man? Doing good, Kerwin. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. What are you drinking? So I, I don't know how long this is going to take today, so I got backups. I started off with wine, but I have a Ultra also with a Mango Golden Road because this might be a while. I got to make sure I'm all preserved <laughs> for the whole thing. He has an entire liquor shelf next to him. <laughs> uh, joining us also today is Chris. Chris, how are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me today. Awesome. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm taking it easy day. I got some water. I got a little drunk last night, so okay. I got it to kind of recharge. Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> hey, Kerwin, uh, it's not work hours. We can call him Bling. It's okay. <laughs> okay. You know, I just, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to offend anybody. Jason and, and Chris Ulaga work together. <laughs> so, all right, all right. From this from this moment on, we're going to call Chris Bling. That's, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. I understand. All right. And uh, also joining us today is Dominic. Dominic, how are you? I'm marvelous. That's great. What are you drinking on? Oh, you know me. Some Don Perignon. You know how I roll. <laughs> it literally is a Modelo talk. <laughs> they don't know that. Hey, man. Hey. <laughs> hey, you ain't got to lie to kick it, man. You ain't got to lie. All right. So moving into the movie. Today, we're doing Mission Impossible. Which Star- one? Which one? Uh, part one. Starring uh, Tom Cruise, John Voight, Henry Cerny, Emmanuel Barrett, uh, Jean Renault. Ving Rhames, Chris and Scott Thomas, and Vanessa Redgrave with a special cameo from, uh, it's Emilio, right? Emilio. 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 I was at the back of the club. The um, Mighty Ducks guy, I swear to God. Mighty Ducks, yeah. Mission Impossible, released May 22nd, 1996, produced by Prus Wagner Productions. That's Tom Cruise's own production company and distributed by Paramount. Uh, before we get into the behind the scenes, Mugga, why don't you hit us with the financials? So we all know this is '96. Um, the whole franchise has what? There's five films or six films there's now, six right? Films six now. films. Okay. This literally was the cheapest to make, only costing 80 million. Um, opening weekend was a little over 45 million that they got, which I think was the second most for opening weekends of the actual franchise. But total, it turned down for, turned up uh, 457 million dollars. So basically, it took home 377 million. So successful movie you know huh. you got uh, five sequels so yeah there yeah. you go started started start the franchise <laughs> yeah pretty much jason what do you got for us uh, as far as reviews so on rotten tomatoes um tomato meter 64 percent for critics and then audience we're looking at 71 so i know last time we were looking at a movie free solo it's kind of the opposite but here it's pretty typical i feel like the audience always rates a little higher so um do you guys agree with the 64 percent rating I um yeah I mean I, I do I, I, think, I, I think it's a fair, I think it's a fair, a fair rating yeah. rating around um, seventy was what I was yeah. thinking yeah audience got seventy one right yep. yeah seventy one so do you think this is fair for now or do you think this is fair for like let's say this came we're, we're in ninety six and it's coming out would you still give it the same rating you think or no no oh, would you rate it higher or lower lower. Okay. All right. So, but I think at the time when it, yeah, I give it, I give it the way. Okay. I'm just curious. It's harder now because now you have, you know, five other or five other movies that have come out. So when you can, now you're going to get 22 years old. Yeah. So now, now you're going to compare it to the other films. So I feel it's tough not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, when you compare to other films, there's yeah, the rating's going to get skewed because hey, where do you compare this in with versus the other films? Yeah. Movies are better now. The whole series has gotten better. They've gotten a little smarter. So yeah, it's kind of hard to do. Um, so getting into the movie, 
It's written and directed by Brian De Palma, who also directed films such as Scarface, The Untouchables, and Carlito's Way. And Carrie, too. And Carrie, yes. Stephen King. (laughs) Carlito's Way was the last film he directed before this one, and he was specifically chosen by Tom Cruise. And speaking of Tom Cruise, he was really the driving force of this entire film and made a lot of decisions involving the script, the director, of course, which he hired, as, as long as the score. So the original score was composed by Alan Silvestri, and he got fired uh, sometime during or after production, and he got replaced with Danny Elfman, who's known for uh, the Spider-Man soundtrack as well as the original Batman score from 1989. Uh, Spider-Man 2002 through 2007. Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, yeah. But Silvestri, didn't he do Back to the Future? Uh, yes, and Avengers, and what else did he do? He also did uh, Edward Scissorhands. Okay. Just I'm interesting. surprised he did The Untouchables, too. That's kind of impressive, right? Uh, the director? The, no, the director that yes. we, yeah, we're talking about. Yeah. So, Tom Cruise, um, he's a huge fan of the franchise, Mission Impossible. For those that don't know, Mission Impossible started off as a spy television series in the 60s, but he was a fan of it, and Paramount owned the rights to the series to adapt it into a feature film for some time, but they couldn't come up with anything. After starting his production company, Tom Cruise approached Paramount with the idea of doing a Mission Impossible movie, and he insisted on doing his own stunts against the studio's wishes, but because he's a producer and he took a pay cut, he got his way. He uh, dropped his $20 million actor's fee and instead chose to take in 22% of the overall uh, profits from the box office. He made about, um, I think it was $80 million afterwards. Yeah, made $457 million, so. Yeah, so he made about 80 mil, which is essentially the budget of the film, correct? Yeah, so he he basically took all the money. And that was a smart move for him. Definitely pushed the franchise forward. You know, he was in control of it. As far as uh, scripting, the movie did have a lot of problems with the script. As we said before, Paramount had a lot of issues adapting it and couldn't come up with anything. So because of the issues with the script, the entire plot, it revolves around the set pieces. So what they did was they designed the set pieces, Cruz and the director, and they were essentially tasked with filling in the blanks after bringing in numerous writers to come in and try to patch it up and get it to work. What they did was they had a beginning, middle, and an end. And it was the writer's jobs along the way during pre-production. To connect the dots, right? Exactly, yeah. to make the story makes happen. so much sense now. Yeah. yeah, so we'll definitely get into that. Uh, this movie was, was a big hit, obviously, as we stated before. It definitely had one of the most iconic scenes in movie history during the 90s, the, the break-in at the Pentagon, which was... So, so the Pentagon, so Langley, Virginia. Oh, Langley, it wasn't yeah. at the Pentagon. No. You're right. Okay, no, you're right, you're right. CIA, CIA headquarters. CIA. Yeah. There we go, my bad. Much more doable. You can't break into the Pentagon. You can <laughs> yeah. break into Langley. <laughs> I, I thought it was impossible, but um, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that thing was imitated to death, and I think the next iconic sequence that we got that was imitated was the bullet time from Matrix. So up until you know 1999, that scene was recreated over and over in other movies, cartoons, parodies, etc. We talk about uh, Tom Cruise as an action star now, but before that, he was known as the pretty boy Hollywood doing dramas, etc. I think the only kind of action movie he'd done up to that point was what, Top Gun, well, I believe? Days of Thunder. Days, Days of Thunder, Thunder. yes, Thunder. yes. Yeah. So he was, he was definitely making... He was making... really big with Jerry Bruckheimer, wasn't he, back then? Yes. Jerry Bruckheimer, yeah. Dom Simpson, they had all those big-time movies. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's definitely getting into the action side, and this is kind of where that era of his career began. 
let me let me jump into the original series. The original series aired from 1966 to 1973. In the show, the IMF or Impossible Mission Force, uh, they carry out covert missions. Uh, Jim Phelps was the leader of the team. For anybody that hasn't seen this movie, Jim Phelps is played by John Voight in this movie, who's the bad guy. So the show typically had a rotating cast where guest actors would come in and they would play an agent with a special skill needed specifically for any given mission. There was also a continuation of the series that ran from 1988 to 1990. The show brought back uh, Peter Graves to play Jim Phelps again, coming out of retirement. The show got canceled. It was not very good. It was, it was awful. I tried watching it, couldn't do it. For anybody um, wondering you know, why Jim Graves wasn't cast, as John Phelps, it's because the original cast of the series thought that the script was disrespectful to the original show. The initial plan was to kill off every member of the original cast in the opening mission and have them replaced with Tom Cruise's team. A lot of actors expressed their displeasure at the fact that John Phelps or Jim Phelps was the bad guy when he'd been the main character for so long. So there was a lot of beef between them. One of the guys actually walked out of the theater. He made the comment that Mission Impossible is not an action movie. It's, it takes a lot of brains and it involves a lot of uh, intelligence. What do you guys think? I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I guess it's a lot of information just through me. So yeah. I just read that Martin Landau and Peter Graves did not like the script. They didn't like he was a double agent or the fact that people were getting killed off. And that's why they passed. I didn't know it was like the whole philosophy of how Mission Impossible ran. That's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. I, I had no idea about that. Yeah, so they thought it was disrespectful to the I mean, did you guys... Idea. I have not seen the show, but did you think it's disrespectful? And I mean, I thought there was brains being So, I, yeah, I, I didn't really... I thought this was more of like a kind of reboot, but um, after looking at the reviews, it was meant to be a continuation of the TV show. So yeah. this was not like a new canon. This was supposed to be a continuous canon from the from the from the tv so he really originally was not supposed to be ethan hunt is that how it was i mean I don't no in the original series the star was phelps oh because i've never oh i get yeah, what you're saying i've never seen the yeah. original series there yeah. was no ethan hunt no in the no original ethan series. no okay, got it. yeah but th- th- this this movie was supposed to be in the same universe as the tv show that's got what it, it was got intended it. to be mm-hmm. yeah i just yeah i know they talked about how him being portrayed as a traitor that was just a huge like blow like they did not like that at all at all yeah yeah with phelps so I like the whole Ethan Hunt character. I, I had no idea that he didn't exist in the original one. I had no idea. Yeah. That's kind of interesting, yeah. yeah when so was the original show aired again? I know you said it before. When was it aired? Uh, I think it's 66 to 73. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You said it twice, Muggs. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's get into uh, our experience with the movie. Jason, why don't you tell us your experience with Mission Impossible? So I didn't see this in theaters. I believe I saw it probably on the HBO at the time. Um, uh, my mom didn't let me go see a lot of... Uh, PG-13 movies when I was, I think when this came out, I was 10. So uh, I watched it on HBO. Uh, I I remember thoroughly enjoying this movie. Um, I guess, you know, now looking at it, uh, the franchise has gotten better. This movie's a little bit slower than some of the other movies, but I think Tom Cruise just did a great job in this. I liked Days of Thunder a lot. Um, I, I think that, you know, his physique, I think the his physique. His physique is good, <laughs> oh man. God, that's what you're going with. You don't think his physique's good in this? You gotta critique everything. 
Okay. Wait, so are you saying you don't appreciate his body of work? (laughs) Can you? (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'm not good with the puns like Kerwin is, but anyway, I I mean, again, there's a lot of, well, there's a couple iconic scenes in this movie that I really enjoyed. I know we're going to hear different opinions around this right now. I can already tell. But uh, no, the first time, like I said, the first time I watched it was at home, just on HBO. Uh, but like I, like I said, I, I really enjoy this one. I think there's some kind of nostalgia just being the first one. I, I, I really still enjoy it. Blaine, why don't you tell us about your experience with Mission Impossible? So Mission Impossible came out, um, it, this was during like the MTV generation. And so this, I, this movie was really kind of promoted to that kind of generation. And I didn't see it in theaters, but when I, when I did see it, I don't know if this is the case for you guys, but I was kind of confused about the plot. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I did like the, the, the use of, you know, these gadgets and the, kind of the espionage sense to it, how, you know, the, the missions were, you know, they're very... Impossible? Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. To kind of reiterate what Jason said, there's a lot of iconic moments. The Langley scene from the ceiling, the use of that, that mask. Oh, so, yeah, yeah that's um, that, that, which they've tied into sequels other sequels in the film yeah that, uh, that mask thing is actually from the series too so like if anybody's wondering why it's so why it's featured so prominently in all the series that that's that's been a main thing since since the 66 yeah. series and so like your that. experience i mean yeah like your experience you, you saw it at home or was it I, the first time out? i saw it this is one of those films where the first time i saw it i was confused yeah. but after seeing it numerous times I did enjoy it. Uh, Muggs, how about you? So this, I mean, you guys know how I, I mean, I'm hit or miss on this film. There's things I like, there's things I really dislike. Mm-hmm. This might have a reason why. Um, this came out in 96, which I was a freshman in high school. Um, and I've never been like deathly ill, you know, when I had to miss a bunch of school. This was the time that I did. And this is back when pay-per-view was around. And if there was a, like a new movie that came out, they would just loop it over and over and over again. So I just remember being sick on the couch, staying home from school for a week. And this was on so much and I just left it on. I don't know why. And I like. I think I got so annoyed of it. Like, like there's so many things that I hated. That's what. That was my experience. I never saw it in the theater, mm-hmm. and I saw it when it came out back when pay per view was big and mm-hmm. like looped and looped and and I would like try to sleep and in that that the songs and I don't know. Maybe that's why it was very confusing too. But I was really sick when I watched it like mm-hmm. 15 times in a row. You know, but that was my experience. With so is that influencing your opinion I, right it now? Might, I don't know. It might. I'm just telling you, I was really angry when it was on. You know, <laughs> so, but I would not change it. I don't know. Why. So you, so you missed school like you had the flu or whatever. Like for a whole week. For so a whole week. So you're mm-hmm. sick of this movie. Okay, can we go to the next one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dominic, how about you? My experience, I don't remember when I saw this movie. I just remember it's, it's probably similar to... Bling, yes. Bling. <laughs> Blang. I'm going to call you Blang. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kinds of names over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably similar to his. I, was, uh, I don't think I was totally confused on the plot. It was just more so uh, I was just in awe of like everything that was going on. It all seemed high tech at the time. I did enjoy uh, the... The mystery aspect of this movie, I think it should have been more prominent in the other movies, um, like like what the hell is going on in the beginning and like who killed who and all yeah. that stuff. So okay, cool, cool. yeah, it's mixed feelings. Yeah, all right. My experience with this movie, um, I loved it when I was a kid, a lot. Never saw it in theaters, but I used to hang out at my friend's house all the time. I believe in fourth grade, third or fourth grade. And we would always do two things. We'd play Killer Instinct on Nintendo 64, and we would watch Mission Impossible. And we watched Mission Impossible over and over and over and over. I enjoyed it. I grew up watching a lot of 007 films as a kid, so having a new spy movie to kind of get into was a, was a big deal for me. The nostalgia kind of keeps me coming back to it, and the series as a whole. What about Tom Cruise's physique? <laughs> oh, Jesus, here we go. <laughs> 
Here we go. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> so let's get into Trash or Treasure, where we each tell you things we didn't like and things we loved about the movie. Bling, why don't you start it off and tell us your trash or treasure? Something you liked about it. Oh, yeah. So I, 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 I did like I liked the action scenes. I liked the train scene at the end. I did like the, the, the CIA vault uh, trying to hack to that computer system. And just little small things, you know, paying homage to the original TV series, the exploding uh, when, they get the, when Jim Phelps gets his mission and it'll self-destruct in, you know, five seconds and it, it does explode. So, um, and it's... You know, it's it's a movie that has, that has that spy espionage sense to it, like kind of like James Bond and other films of that sort. Would you dislike? Yeah, would you dislike? It is a very complex plot, and if you don't pay attention, you're gonna miss a few things. It's like if you do pay attention, you miss yeah. a few. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's complex, but go on. I felt like when the first time I watched it, I kind of missed out on a few details. Um, and then once you finish the movie, I've and you watched this movie three times this week, and I'm still confused <laughs> and missed out on a few details. Jason, how about you? Uh, what's your trash or treasure? Well, again, when I watched this for the first time, I was probably 12 or 13. It was a couple years after the movie came out. So I wasn't picking it apart, I guess, as much as I am now and kind of seeing some of the flaws with it. I, I enjoyed it. I liked some of the action sequences, of course, like I, in Langley or on the bullet train. I, I, I thought those were really cool. One thing I kind of, I kind of like about this movie is the technology Oh yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, they, they. I mean, I feel like you show uh, uh, another millennial or someone that's maybe in high school like this movie, and they're like, "What? What is that square thing they're putting inside of the computer?" <laughs> or like you were talking about when when John Voight's on the plane, yeah, and he puts the cassette tape in the cassette player, and there's headphones with a cord, and <laughs> the, the silver headphones, the one that like they had a little like stupid speaker, yes, the silver yeah. one that goes over, it's it yeah. messed up your hair every yeah. time you put it on. Yeah. yeah, it's like the ones they keep in a bag on the airplane. It's like, oh, do you want a free set of headphones? I mean. Again, they don't do that a lot anymore, but they used to do this, kids, I promise you. And they hand them out, and he, and it's just, I don't know, something about that that element of it. And again, it was made in 96 when this is all current, yeah. but at the same time, like, you go back and watch it now, it's like, man, it's like, okay, th- this is stuff that doesn't exist anymore, but it's like, again, you show someone this now that maybe is like 16, 17, 18 years old, they're, they're not going to know what half of these things are. I feel like you'd have to have someone else there to explain, hey, this is how it was. Like a floppy disk could hold. They literally have something similar to Apple iWatch phones, but they don't have wireless headphones yet. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. Like, yeah. like they have phones where you can literally video people, but they don't have wireless headphones. Yeah, yet. it's, it's weird. weird. The, the technology is weird. It's like they got floppy disks, but they have an iWatch. Like, <laughs> it's like you got to make up your mind. But uh, oh, and him using like the tech, like the, the internet back then was terrible. I don't know how he's able to get onto the internet and yeah. like look up search queries and like it just results right, right away. That's right. that didn't happen. Let me chime in real quick. <laughs> So this movie features a lot of internet talk and a lot of internet features. The reason for that is it's 1996. The internet's really starting to take off, kind of. I think uh, 91, 92 is when AOL came out, right? Yeah. yeah. So the reason you see so many shots of keyboards, screens, people opening documents, putting disks in disk drives and all that other stuff, sending emails and using search engines. Um, Apple actually had a $15 million deal with uh, the production which is why all of that stuff is featured so prominently and i think i think it was coming off some bad pr i don't know what was going on with apple at that time in 96 they, they lost money they so, were losing money so what happened was they released a powerbook 5300 or 5300c and uh, they were trying to promote it through this movie. That's why they dumped so much money into it. And the funny thing about it is that they recalled that PowerBook about a month after this movie came out. 
So they dumped all this money to promote Apple, like promote the heck out of it, and then they recalled the product that they were promoting. So damn, that sucks. <laughs> I guess those apples self-destructed in five seconds. <laughs> I don't know. So again, like I said, I I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed a lot of the technology. Just again, it's probably a little bit of nostalgia. What I didn't like, I mean. There's wait, 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 you forgot his physique. You didn't mention his physique. <laughs> yeah, you really liked his physique, man. I, I, what about I, the part I, was in the wife beater? Because those were big back in the yeah. 90s. The wife beater, yeah. you really see his physique. I, I think he's flexing a couple times in it, just like in Top Gun when he looks at his watch. He had 30-inch <laughs> biceps. If you guys ever listen to this podcast and you're like, man, Jason's really quiet. I mean, just f- come back to this, um, this episode and you'll understand why. Uh, so when we look at stuff that might be a trash to me in this movie one thing is like the fire engine i i I was talking to mugs about this other night like i I understand like being able like when they go to langley and they're gonna infiltrate langley i understand getting a fireman's costume but like i don't know they don't really show how they steal a whole fire engine one point that i i'll I'll leave it at this one point i really don't like is on the bullet train uh it's john is john voight tom cruise and john renault yeah and they're they're at the back. They're kind of finding out that, you know, uh, the mole is John Voight's character. Anyway, he goes to shoot Claire. Oh, you're talking about his wife. Not yeah. The man, the yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry about that. That's uh, Emmanuel Bayart. Bayart? Yeah. Bayart, okay. So he goes to shoot her, and he has Tom Cruise on the ground, but he doesn't kill him. I think that's really weird. I feel like that's a, it's just like if you would have just killed him, he probably, John Voight probably would have got away. But then you don't have the bullet train scene at the top. You yes. know? I, mean, I know, I know. I'm just saying as a plot hole, it's like how simple would it be? Like you, you have a gun. You could have just shot him. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of weird rewatching right, it. So to piggyback off that, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there seemed to be some intended sexual tension between John Voight's wife. It starts at the very beginning. Yes. Very beginning. Yeah. So She like rubs his hand with exactly. her face as she's waking up and it's just, it's really weird. Yeah. yeah. First so, confusing part of the whole movie yeah. was in the first 20 seconds. You know? yeah. yeah. So in that scene that Jason's talking about, it doesn't make sense for Phelps to shoot Hunt or shoot his wife in that moment. She's not trying to stop you. Ethan Hunt is trying to stop you. Why would you shoot your wife first? But he does bring up that commandment, though. I think he was pissed off that there was tension between them. And that's what I want to get to. Because during the entire movie, Tom Cruise never really responds to her advances. She does make a couple of advances. Like, oh, you know, Ethan, come here. She hugs him. She kisses him on the cheek before they go on that mission or whatever. And she even pleads to Phelps, who is really Hunt in disguise. Oh, we don't have to kill him. You know, let's just leave him live. I may be wrong, but I feel like there some of that plot line was cut from this movie. Yeah. I, I feel like some of that is cut from this movie because he makes it a big point, A, to say, you know, thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife yeah. as well as shoot his wife first. Right. So I feel like there there was a whole romantic subplot involving them that got cut. And it would also explain, like, why would you give John Voight a wife who's 20 something years younger than him i believe at this time she's ethan hunt's age or tom cruise yeah they were both they were both 32 33 at the time of this movie and john voight i think was like 54 at the time yeah i could be wrong but yeah like i I feel like that casting was on purpose because there was a love triangle story that they wanted to tell and i feel like if that were inserted that scene would make a lot more sense but the way this movie is now it's it's kind of a stupid You're forgetting decision. too when they're getting ready to go on the bullet train and she's in the corner in a sleeping bag and he walks in and she starts kissing his hand. Yeah. I mean, it's just really weird. Like, I'm just like, I, your husband just died two days ago, theoretically. Yeah. I know she knows that he's not dead, but then you're... Ki- 
and then, then it fades to black. It's like, well, what happened that night? You yes. know well, what I mean? Like, I really, that, and maybe you're right. Maybe that's. A I think I think that a lot of those scenes might have been cut for you know. You have to look at pacing. You have to look for time of the movie. Um, so I think a lot of the stuff. Um, have they ever come out with a director's cut for Mission Impossible? I don't think so. I bought so. the Tom Cruise action pack where I got the Mission Impossible, Days of Thunder, and Top Gun, so it's very minimal. I've never seen anything <laughs> yeah. behind. Maybe some bonus ones on Mission Impossible. Well, I think now, you in, the, in 1990... The full poster with his physique on it, right? <laughs> no, Jason, I give it to Jason for his birthday. Well, the thing is, I, I feel go like... Go on, Jason, go on, go on. I, I, well, I mean, that, I mean, that's pretty much one thing that I, I just... I When I was re-watching the movie, and I was... Um, after I was distracted with his physique, I was, I was, I was watching the part, um, like I said, on the bullet train, and I just, I don't know, for some, I know it kills the whole scene. I get it, I get it, but I'm just saying, like his physique. Jesus. Well, let, I let think finish, I it. think that's why John Voight kills her is because he, she, like, he saw her looking at Tom Cruise, and why would you not? He just had to end it, you know. Anyway, but no, for for real though, I just, I know it kills the whole scene, but I feel like. It's just weird. Like, why wouldn't you just kill him? Then you could probably get away. So I don't know. Just that's something I saw. But overall, like I said, I again, I like this movie because when I originally watched it, I didn't. I'm not getting as nitty gritty as I am now with it. I just enjoyed it. Like I said, there's iconic scenes in it, and I, like I said, I, I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, it's just like stupid summer movie fun, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's kind of like that. Yeah, it's like blockbuster movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, filled with physique. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, for any of the young kids out there, blockbuster was a movie rental chain. <laughs> That lets you uh, borrow VHSs. VHSs are brick-like video apparatuses <laughs> that you can watch movies on. Rewind them when you bring them back, kids. It's similar Mother. to similar to a cassette tape, but it's just audio on cassettes. This, this is talking video, video as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Muggs. Uh, why don't you to give us your trash or treasure? So... Like I'm, I, I, same thing with Blink saying. I, from what I read, they had all these action scenes like scripted, wanted to do, and they just started shooting without even the script finished. From what I thought was what they were doing, and then now you can kind of see because when I first watched it, I hated the scene of the Job three sixteen, the Max, and how he found three fourteen. You're right, you're right. I'm thinking yes. of Austin 316. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Job 314, all that stuff. And I thought, like, I get, I'm still confused. I've watched it three times this week, and I, I'm still confused on, that's the best thing that you can come up with for him to find Max the buyer. I mean, I don't, and the Bible thing and the Drake Hotel, the stamp that's at the very beginning, then they do that voiceover when he's looking at the stamp. I, I Just something like, I just, you, I think it was very transparent that they had the good action scenes, but to connect the dots was very just, Hey, let's just connect it, put the movie out. And that's why I didn't like it. I thought those parts were confusing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do not like about this movie at all. And still to this day, like I'm confused about this, the whole Bible. I mean, I get okay, it. Okay, okay. I, I, I think it has less with you being confused and just it being a bad script. There you go. Like, it's yeah. just bad screenwriting. But I'm still confused. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Were, you, were you this focused on it the first time you watched no, it? No, no, no. I remember, I specifically remember the Job 314 and all that. I'm like, what the heck just happened? Like, all of a sudden now he's talking to the buyer. Uh, granted, I'm in ninth grade, you know, and I don't, I don't get it. But it's just like, I always remember that part. Like, that is the stupidest thing. Because I'm a big Mission Impossible. For, I have them all. You know what I mean? And, uh, well, the ones that I, I, you can't own. And and I really do like, I think they get better as they go. But that part always stood out. It's like, for some reason why I dislike this film more than the others. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I don't know. But my treasure, though, kind of piggybacks on, I think they do have great action scenes. I think the Langley scene is iconic. And it's like one of the best things ever, you know. And what I really do like about it is how Tom Cruise... I mean, literally, like, is so into this character, so wanting to do the own stunts and all that. I don't know if you guys read this. In that scene with the cable, which we know is not possible, 
Mission yeah. impossible, but possible. possible. Yeah. But I see what I, you did there. Yeah, <laughs> I I heard he fell a bunch of times on his face as they kept dropping him down. Like like what 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 actor of his like you know, like his presence like or whatever it is his status like wants to do that and get keep getting hitting the ground with your head a bunch of times. You got to give the guy credit. From what yeah. I read, I don't know if this is true. He got some chain from one of the person, put it in his shoes, and the next one he did it was perfectly fine, which I, I thought it was cool. But I think that scene is iconic. I think it's one of my favorite scenes in movie history, you know, which is why, you know, like it saves the film. But I mean, I don't know. Like, that's, I really, really like that he wanted to do his own stunts. I think he also, for the bullet train scene, he did that somewhere they put him against like wind or something and threw him again. And he like was black and blue because of it. Yeah, so, he, like, wa- he, wa- he, had, yeah. he wanted to recreate like actual, like true. Yeah. Like I guess they had to because be, be, back then the CGI wasn't as well as it is now. I know no. there are CGI in this. Yeah, you can really tell when that helicopter's hooked on going into the tunnel. Mm-hmm. But like I the that that scene where he puts the gun, which we're not going to get into that yeah. on the on the, the 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 screen of the of the actual helicopter and gets yeah. blown up to the train. Yeah, that scene he they did four times and he said he was black and blue for like a week after that because he did that four times. And yeah. I don't know. I thought that was really cool. And that's one of the reasons they came in under budget too is they didn't have to have stunt people for him and they didn't have to pay him. From what you're saying, he yeah. just took a, a fee for the actual opening. You know, yeah, he just took in that yeah. 22%. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 reading about that train scene too. They, they said that he had they had a fan on him. Yes, that was blowing was. like fan. 140 yeah. miles an hour. Yes. So I, just, I mean, they, they said that that shot. I think the train scene was what six weeks long to shoot I, that. I didn't, I didn't read that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, 152 different shots. I'm just like, it's pretty. It's pretty intricate. It's pretty intense. Yeah, because they they had to work hard to even get that train. They had to they had to, uh, I guess, uh, reach out to the the people who made this train. And it, it, it was, it was France, right? huh? yeah, it was out in France, and there was a lot of pushback. It was it was one of the things they they wanted to create the scene. They wanted to create the realistic wind wind tunnel effect, and they had to work. It wasn't something like oh, it was just given to them. They had to work for it. I read something. You know the scene where he's on the side of the train, mm-hmm. right? And then he gets that one grip device that they have. Yeah. I read something that they cannot have two trains in the tunnel at the same time. So that's why it's so unrealistic that another train's coming on, which somehow misses the helicopter right behind it also. But I thought yeah. that was kind of funny. You know, like, like I guess in that you cannot have two trains going at the same time. And literally that shows Tom Cruise escaping death for the... But they have to for dramatic effect. Oh well, yeah, you're not going to have a movie. You're not, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's my trash or treasure. Dominic, how about you? What's your trash or treasure? I feel like you guys pretty much nailed a lot of them that I was thinking about. The treasure of mine was, uh, I enjoyed the mystery aspect of it and him unraveling it in the end. It might have been some plot holes that could have been explained a bit more. But uh, the things that I couldn't get over were just some of the, the, the practical aspects of it. Like, uh, you know, the gum. I was just like, I couldn't help like rewatching it like recently. I was just like... Did they watch Richie Rich recently with like the whole toothpaste and just like, oh, this is make gum and it's like, <laughs> you know, make gum and explosive and just like, all right, there's that go. And then the pulley system, I was like, no, that's not going to work. And then the whole helicopter, like that guy has to be dedicated, the most skilled, like yeah. <laughs> pilot in the oh, world. Well, he's definitely not the best knife handler. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I, like all of that, I just took into effect, like, oh, the hairspray and then the girl just has to keep track of it with her glasses in the beginning on the cycle. All right. What about how <laughs> fast ways, like What about how fast he killed that rat too? Yeah. Like, like yeah. there's no way. He killed the rat and then got the pulley like held the rope in, in time like for him. In like a split second. second. Like are you really doing that? If you guys know anything about duck systems too, like 
duct systems aren't clean. Like there's nails protruding in and out of it. It's it's like it probably couldn't support the weight of like any even like a small animal. Like, yeah, and for him to support Tom Cruise at the same time, that's like what 160 pound man. Two people. It is supported two people. 160 pounds. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> Tom lean physique. Lean physique. 4% body fat. 4% body fat. I think he had eight pack. Pretty impressive. Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes don't know what she's missing right now. But yeah, I was like, man, this guy was dedicated. He killed a rat in 0.5 seconds. And then. The other thing, too, is in that scene, too, when he goes all the way to the bottom and that drop of sweat comes down. I was reading, it's literally impossible to do what he did. Oh, yeah, catch the his scene? own sweat? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's impossible, but the the quote... I mean, I re- you keep saying impossible. Are you meaning to say that? Or <laughs> I don't know why. That time, I did not mean to say that. It's a mission not to say impossible all the time. Correct. Can, can you input, like, the drum, like, <laughs> snare thing, like... Look, no, guys, but, but no... Every time he says it, like, the six guys, times, it's like... <laughs> but no, I, I, did, I did read that... They they thought that the audience wouldn't be quick enough to realize that that's not possible. Oh, I did. Yeah, I mean, he was literally inches from the ground, and somehow he's able to fold his arm yeah. to catch. Which, how does the sweat go on the glass anyway, and then streaks down? I, so many questions. Yeah, yeah. But Poss- it's still a great scene, though. I'm yeah. not taking away. From Impossible that scene. to answer all those. Yeah. Impossible <laughs> to answer. Look, guys, <laughs> we can we can stop with the jokes. I'm just trying to cruise through this segment. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Can you start with all this Tom Fuller? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Kerwin, what are your trash or treasures on this? All right, I'm gonna start. With, I'm gonna start with my treasure because the trash goes on and on and on. Um, so my treasure with this, uh, very similar to Mugs, is I I thoroughly enjoy the Langley sequence, um, trying to get the knock list from the computer. I thought that was vis- visually, it's it's very different from the rest of the movie too. Yeah. The, the movie is very like muddy and dark, has a lot of blues. It's not a very warm film. I do like the just the cool white of the scene. I love the long shots. I love that Tom Cruise did his own stunts and you could see the physical strain going on with him and that connects you that connects the audience to to that experience. Yeah. Wow, he's using all you know all of his acrobatic ability, whatever he may possess to make sure he doesn't touch this floor. I, I thought that was a great scene. It very much reminded me of Stanley, Krub- uh, Stanley Kubrick's uh, films. Like It definitely gave me that 2001 A Space Odyssey vibe where you have these long shots with super intricate settings and you use shape uh, within the frame to kind of to kind of draw the viewer in. So I thought I thought those were really really great. And it's a, it's a very quiet scene. There's there's no music going on through the scene. It's it's just straight up it's happening. Which I think because obviously one of the alarms was no sound and I thought them doing nothing which is great. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, you're really like on edge mm-hmm. and nothing is being said. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's to the point where, you know, I can I can get over you know the stupid hand thing, which they cut to, because you know it's impossible. Okay, every time someone says impossible, you got to drink. Cause this right. is getting out yeah. of hand. All right, all right, <laughs> improbable, <laughs> inconceivable, unbelievable. Yeah, they they definitely cut to that because they knew it was impossible. They knew, you know, they they thought, hey, I said it was impossible. Relax, relax, man. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that scene was great. I do enjoy the technology. You know, it doesn't get as stupid as some of the stuff you see in the 90s 007 movies with Pierce Brosnan. Like, it doesn't go that far. But I, I do enjoy how they cleverly use the tech. Like, they mark them with the spray. The girl with the surveillance glasses has the, the heat sensor or whatever she can use to track that. And I, I do enjoy their use of technology. And they don't go overboard. They don't go entirely overboard. Most of the stuff is just accessory. 
Now I'm getting to my trash. So this script is terrible. We discussed earlier how they had the set pieces and essentially try to fit everything together to make these things happen. So number one, let's talk about how Ethan Hunt is basically being tracked by all these other IMF agents. Right off the bat, when they go to the, the party or the, the banquet or whatever, you already know that there's agents there because they all look directly into the camera as a viewer. Okay, well, did, did you notice that when you first watched it or now after you've watched it? This time, this time. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I noted, which I do like now. I actually like that. Yeah, I appreciate that. I thought, that. I was like, hey, he identifies the second team at the restaurant scene. Mm-hmm. And when you go back to watch, you're like, oh yeah, they, they're really sitting there watching this entire, I thought that oh, was kind of- even at the banquet, like yeah. right away, they're, yeah. they're watching him, they're watching the other uh, agents and I appreciate that. But I have a problem with, you know, story storytelling wise, you know, I, I get the whole mission was a way to weed out the mole, which is great. But let's think logically. So nobody that was watching Ethan, the drunk couple, I'm using air quotes, the drunk couple um, by the by the shore watching drunk him. Russian couple. Yeah. Yes. Drunk Russian couple. Yes. You're telling me that all these people, they got sicked on Ethan and not one of them saw John Voight pull out a gun and fake shoot himself being the only person on top of the bridge and go, Ethan, Ethan, and well, yell it out loud and fall John over. John Voight didn't even see it because his eyes are pointing up, right? To where you can't even see what he's, what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. He points his butt, but you see, him, you see him with the gun in his own hand when they go back to the replay when he meets at the cafe. You see that, and it's just kind of like, Ethan, look at, look at your, your thing, you know? And we're going to get into how he figures that out because there's no way in hell he figured that out just from a book, like you said. The Drake Hotel. Yes, yeah. the Drake, Drake Hotel, Hotel in Chicago. That's in Illinois. That's a Damn U.S. Damn <laughs> But, so, logically, that doesn't make any sense. You have all these agents and not one of them saw homeboy, you know, kill himself and fall into the river and climb out and they didn't see, I think it was Claire, what's her name, his wife's name? Yes. Claire, yeah, yes. Emmanuel's character. I, I would think they would just even like body extraction. So all these agents are dying. Yeah. You would just extract the bodies. Oh, wait, you know, Jim Phelps is missing. What's going on? Yeah, let's find him. <laughs> oh, the girl that got stabbed in the gate. Let's pick her up. Let's look at, you know, the explosion in the car. How did that happen? Let's track where, you know, was that a remote trigger? Who was that? Why is this girl the only one in the car that blew up? And we don't talk about how the wife got away. She so, was chewing the gum. <laughs> <laughs> From a story story writing perspective, there's there's a lot of logic missing. And that's that's only in the first mission. So when Ethan says, oh, they're all dead, they're all dead, you don't think they had the team sweep the area and realize that Phelps' wife is missing? They, nobody nobody saw that they found another, there was a body missing from the car. If, if they were smart, they would have had her plant a dead woman in the car and use that as a kind of a cover so she could escape. Right, right. And then we get to oof, we get to Job. Did we cover Job already? We did. But who's the girl that got stabbed through a gate? Like, how do you get stabbed through a gate? I that's, don't get that's it. The other thing, she like, looked like, like, I'm like why Rino. are you going there? Then she gets stabbed by the gate, which they try to use as Ethan identifying that that guy is on the, the other side. The knife, yeah. But I the, thought that was the smart. knife. The knife that he used, yeah. Ethan had, so he doesn't use that knife. So he literally went out and bought another knife, exactly the same, and use it at Langley. I mean, come well, on! Like, I, I mean, mean, he just bought a bunch of them. Well, I mean, look, look, any other model of, model of knife just wouldn't cut it. Okay, <laughs> I'm challenging. <laughs> and who doesn't buy multiple of the same knife? Yeah, I you mean, don't just buy multiple. Who buys knives? one knife at a time? Yeah, I don't know physique. What do you think? <laughs> so we get into 
Job 3.14, and we get into the stupidity of internet searches and all that other stuff back in 1996, which was fascinating at the time. This man says, wow, uh, job 314, job 314, which is what uh, Dietrich, his superior, the secretary, I believe, tells him. So he's, he's mulling over it in his apartment, which should have been raided immediately if they thought he was the mole. The IMF should have raided that apartment immediately. They know where their hideout is if they've got you know people watching them. Don't know why he thinks it's safe to go back there. So he's sitting there. He's like, ah, Job 314. So he goes to the book of Job in the Bible, and he types in. But I was going to say, how did he find the Bible? He was like in a just, daze, looked above his computer, and there's the Bible. His position, like, yes. Can I say from one? The Drake Hotel. Can I say one thing though? What's up? So I'm rewatching this, okay? Because I had to research this, and th- there's no clear explanation. The only thing that I, I'm trying to like give them the benefit of the doubt. When he's on the computer, he's on a discussion board, a discussion group. When he types in the Book of Job, no, no, he. Remember how he gets there, though. He just goes on the internet and he puts or Usenet or whatever. He it puts is. Bible, Bible. Yes. He searched Max, didn't get any return, and then he just searched for Bible. And there was before a, he found the Bible, or I forget. Before he found the Bible discussion group, after yeah. he after he grabbed the Bible, after he grabbed the Bible. So, yes, he he did Bible, and he had like over a hundred different options or um, results. But then he he puts in Book of Job. And it pops up the, the, the screen to enter in the verse, the, the chapter in the verse. So when he enters in the chapter in the verse, the window for the email pops up immediately. So I'm just saying maybe the way this thing works is you put in, because he knew Max's name. So he put in Max, and maybe that's how this group discussion board works is you put at the book and the chapter and the verse. I, I'm I, confused that you talk. Is this, how, this is why this scene is so stupid. It is. I'm, I'm it try, is. I'm just, it's, just, it's so dumb. You, you have to understand. Like, it, no, no, they no, no. pay me okay, half hold, what they paid the writer hold on, hold on, to connect to Max. Hold on, hold on, hold on. If this scene was better written, it would make sense. If, if the way he arrived to the conclusion that it had something to do with the Bible and found something that led him to that website, you know, this, this scene makes perfect sense and I'll get into why. But how he arrives at it is pretty silly. You know, he's he's sitting well, that's there what I'm and, he, and I he, think he, yeah, any that's, one of us in here could have written a better situation where here's how Ethan Hunt finds out, hey, this is the Max the buyer and how I get in contact with him. I, yeah. I really that's how I feel. Yeah, at you know, at some point just say like, Oh, you know, the buyers, you know, obsessed with the Bible, blah, blah, blah. All their crimes are related to the Bible or something like that. Just throw that line out there to to lead him to that conclusion. But one thing I do appreciate that scene is that the verse for Job 3.14 goes, for now I would be lying down in peace, that's 13, and then 14 gets to, with kings and counselors of earth who built for themselves cities now in ruins, which goes into Phelps's motive when you think about it later on, which is a great thing, mm-hmm. but I feel like this plot doesn't logically lead us to those things, which is terrible. There's a lot of great stuff in here, but how we get there is, they, they missed it. Yeah, they it's, it's a shit show, man. It's terrible. So... Let's talk about Tom Cruise's, how he sends an email. So there's some pretty awkward shots in here where Tom Cruise is, he sends his first email in English, you know, it doesn't work out. Sends a second email in German, doesn't work out. 
and he sits there and we go through a montage of him sending multiple emails in multiple languages and he's just sitting there and the camera's on his face and he's sitting there and his eyes are fluttering rolling back and he, he's in a wife beater he's you can really see his physique yeah okay. you could, and <laughs> this man looks like he's getting his dick sucked <laughs> Is that is that how y'all look when you surf the internet? Well, <laughs> well <laughs> depends on what I'm searching for. Yes. I mean, when I search for Tom Cruise's physique, I don't even look like that. I mean, it depends on what job you're looking. For. <laughs> I know yeah. when I I don't know I'm, when I'm cruising the internet. Yeah. Cruising the internet. Okay, get to the point. The face. Like, what are we talking about? The face. Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought that was pretty awkward. And I think we spent way too much time on what okay, it looked now, like when he types. You're not talking about also right after that when he forcefully, the other girl that comes in, pins her on the bed. It's really awkward to like discuss what she knows or what she's doing there. I literally was uncomfortable watching it. Like the way he frisked her, it was really weird. Yeah, so Emmanuel uh, Barrett's character comes in after he has a after Ethan Hunt has a hallucination about John Voight's character Jim Phelps, which is not necessary. Did you think so? It wasn't necessary. I, I get you're tired or whatever, but like, there's no reason for you to have a hallucination. It's probably like eleven o'clock. Like you haven't been out that long, so he, he's there, and he searches her. He you know, you know, pr- pretty much forces her into the bedroom, puts her up against the bed. Uh, makes her put her arms over her head in a way in which her arms are free to do whatever she wants, which makes no sense. And he just presses his body up against her. And it's like that song by Next, Too Close. It's And he literally, he frisks her. And at one point, he pretty much cups her breasts and is just breathing on her. And she's just making the most sexual faces and breathing you could imagine and he turns her around and throws her on the bed and just gets on top of her and i and i thought hey man it's really it's really uncomfortable to watch very it really is i i i I was yeah i don't there's got to be a better way i mean yeah the last thing i have a problem with jim phelps comes out of hiding after tom cruise talks to the imf in virginia Correct? Yes. Virginia. So he hangs up on them. Jim Phelps shows up immediately. They go to a restaurant. They chit-chat. And Jim Phelps pretty much says, oh, Dietrich, the IMF secretary dude, is the bad guy. He's he's the one trying to get the knock list and sell it. And I and I appreciate this scene because John Voight's character, Phelps, is telling Tom Cruise a false story. At the same time, Tom Cruise is figuring out that it's really John Voight's character that has done all this stuff, which is a cool thing to do. I, I really thought so. Yeah, that was I agree point. with Bling how they introduced the face mask, and as this series goes on, they show you a little bit more about it. And number two, you can get the voice then. Yeah. Three, they show you how you make, make it. it. And four, it doesn't make it correct. So they have to... I, I really liked that. I really like how that, that, that series does it. But I like how they introduced the face thing. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. So while they're at the dinner... Phelps is essentially revealing his own motives for why he's doing this thing. So he's saying, oh, you know, Dietrich's is, Dietrich is pissed off because he's making 65K. I didn't know government officials made 65K back in the 90s, mm-hmm. you know, at a desk job and this and that because the age of spies is essentially over. Look at us. The Cold War is dead. We have nothing to do. And the president's running the country without your permission because, you know, back in the Cold War, uh, leadership was very dependent on espionage and covert operations, essentially, to kind of guide them, I would assume, during the Cold War. And he's revealing his own motive, which goes back to Job 314. 
I'll be at rest with kings and counselors of earth who built for themselves cities now in ruins. This whole spy society, this network that they've built is now in ruins because it doesn't exist anymore. It's unnecessary. And I thought, okay, that's a great motive, but all you want to do is what? Steal get paid six million dollars from max for a list of people that's all you wanted you couldn't just retire you don't have pension like you're a government employee or a spy you have a hot young wife all you wanted was six million dollars and to just run away you know six million dollars and, and kill what do you call it your team of five yeah that's <laughs> like why go through all that you should you should have that stacked up for your for your years of service if this is a continuation of the 1966 movie this guy should be sitting on like a fat wad of money you know what i'm saying pension yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so it's just like his motive is extremely weak. Like, just retire, bro. Like, you, why are you even still doing this? I'll take six million right now, though. I'm just telling you right now. I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll take half a million. So I thought, I thought his motive was kind of weak. I thought the action set pieces were great, and I thought certain things about this movie were smart, and they attempted to be smart, and I do appreciate that because you can't have spy movies without intelligence. I see what you did there. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> but Mission accomplished. But the script, you definitely know the script was, was shitty as far as getting us to those places. But they do have some of the best action sequence I've ever... The opening scene sucks, though. We didn't talk about that. That opening scene is so confusing and weird. Did anyone else get that? No. Emilio Estevez is looking at a gray and white or black and white frame of Tom Cruise and the... I, 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 I know it was meant to the, like introduce some of the characters as well as introduce yeah. some of the tech they can use. So that's I think that's why they had it. But it, it well, yeah, it wasn't really necessary to like move the story along. Yeah, and I think I think that might have been a throwback to the old series. I, it, maybe, it might be. See, I, yeah. again, I have never seen one episode of the entire mm -hmm. old series, so yeah. that's why maybe I'm not getting it. But yeah, and, um, you know, one more thing that I did like, you know, it's very faithful to the series the way it's structured. You know, you have your cold open, you have your opening titles. So the opening titles with the the match light in you the gotta fuse. you gotta like that yeah you like, gotta like that yeah. it's in every one you know I, I yeah. like that yeah and it's and it's the same opening they use in the TV show the yeah. sixty six one and the the eighty eight one which I which I really appreciated and I'm glad that Tom Cruise and I think John Voight was a fan of the series too I'm glad that they snuck in a lot of Easter eggs for people that did like the show too bad the actors hated it. Yeah. Let's get into how much we would pay to watch Mission Impossible. So starting off, Jason, tell us how much you would pay to watch Mission Impossible. Well, I was kind of waiting for one of you guys to say it, but I, I like when there's funny taglines in the movie. But there's 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 one part where Emilio Estevez is showing uh, Tom Cruise the gum, and he's showing him how to use it, and Emilio Estevez says, "Asta lasagna, don't get any on ya." <laughs> I don't know why, but I was dying when I saw that. Uh, I just wanted to More point that out. More than the physique? <laughs> well, the physique speaks for itself, Muggs. I really hate the gum so much. Like, yeah, they choose the most flavorful colors, like green and red. Like, mm. Well, they make up for it by showing Tom Cruise's physique like, uh, so often in this movie. I saw that piece of gum, I would immediately like, oh, this is... Red light! Green light! <laughs> but anyway, uh, back to what I would pay... I I think some of it's nostalgia, personally. I, like I said, I enjoyed the movie uh, when I first originally saw it. Uh, me, I'm gonna put it out there. I don't know what you guys are gonna give me feedback-wise, but I, I'm, I'm saying 15 bucks. That's I'm saying 15. Okay. Okay. Fifteen dollars. I can $15. Jason. Fifteen dollars. Put right. him on the board. All right. So Bling, tell us how much you would pay to watch this movie. Okay. So I want I want to make this very clear. I, I did enjoy the film. Okay, um, I still it's one of those films I, I'll still come back to and I'll watch you know every year. Um, if I say hey I, I, 
I want to see Mission Possible. However, I wouldn't pay more than $5 to see this film. And, and here, here's why, because $5. I, I would have to probably watch this movie four more times to understand completely what, like, what I missed out the first time watching it. Not yeah, gonna help. Yeah. All right, really, really quick. All right, are you looking at, are you rating this movie based, you know, are you comparing it to other movies out now, or are you comparing it, you know, against the movie landscape of the mid-90s? I'm comparing it to, like I said, I'm not, not even taking into account the other films. Okay. I just want to say, hey, you know what, it feels like, you know, and there's other films that, like this where you feel like you don't, you miss out on a few things the first time around, and then when you see it the second time, you're like, oh. The Matrix, right? Yeah, yeah The guess, Matrix, yeah. Pulp Fiction, those are films where you know, you're kind of confused the first time, but then when you see it the second time, the third time, you can say, knowing what's gonna happen, you can be like, oh yeah, yeah they're, they're, they foreshadowed that happening, and it happened you know, in, in scene three, scene four. There's a lot of foreshadowing they do, but you miss that out the first time around, the second time around, until you see it a few more times. I, I, I got to disagree with that. I mean, I I, what, I agree you, with it, Bling. I, I really yeah. do. I, I, I don't. I mean, just on the Langley scene, I think it's worth ten bucks. I think at its time when that came out, I, I don't know. I think just on that scene alone, ten. I'm just, just want to say my piece. That's all I want to say. And his physique. I was going to say, how much <laughs> is his physique worth? Right there? <laughs> physique was extra. All right, so I got to beat you guys to the punch. All right, so Bling, you're at uh, five, right? Yes. Okay, so Mugga, tell us how much you would pay. So Jason really just did my rating. I, I would give this a five, like Bling saying with the storyline, all that. But I do agree with the Langley scene, parts of the bullet train, some other parts. I did like the whole team at the actual party part, and then at the. I, because of those, I think it ups it for me. I'm going to give it a 10. I, I think that because of that Langley scene, if it had a greatest script, I'm going 15 or 20. But I just I couldn't get into the script. I, and I really thought that Langley scene, though, is iconic. Oh, yeah. I mean, people have imitated it. It's a joke through other things. But it's really well done, you know. And I, what Tom Cruise did, I, so I'm going I'm to give it a 10. All right, cool. Dominic, how much would you pay? I'm also choosing 10. Just straight up physique, or what do you <laughs> Physique and all. The, the physique alone. It would have been fifteen, but they they chose the wrong piece of gum. <laughs> what about you, Kerwin? What are you, what are you paying to watch this? All right, I'm gonna pay. I'm paying ten. I'm gonna take my nostalgia out of this because, you know, I I, I am judging it against the movie landscape of the '90s. I'm a kid of the '90s, um, and I was obsessed with this movie, and I still I still love this movie. I I'm entertained every time I watch it. But I I upon analyzing it because this is what we're doing now. You know, we're analyzing movies, not just you know saying we love it because we love it. You know, this this script doesn't make sense. You can tell the action set pieces or you know the beginning, middle, and end are very well thought out, and they have some of the smartest most tense, most gripping, intriguing moments of the film. And you can tell that that's what they spent their time on. How they arrive there is stupid, 100% stupid. I'm paying $10 to watch Mission Impossible. I, before we, so that gives us an average rating of $10 because three people voted at 10, one 15, one five. So it's an average rate of 10 that we're paying. I don't dislike the Mission Impossible series though. I think this is my least favorite one out of the ones that are made. I really do enjoy it. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel. Well, I feel like you, you, if you, knowing that there's five other films out there, you have to watch this film. Oh, you yeah. have to, yeah. yeah you have to I, watch I totally it. Agree. Yeah, because there's a lot of things they, even in the new films, they throw back to uh, to the first film. And even, even the character they introduce in this film, he's in the film five films later. So, yeah. 
Ving Rhames, his character. Yes, yeah, Luther Strickland one, is. Right? Yeah, his character. Oh, yeah, I, is. Liked, I like Ving Rhames' character. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I loved him in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's the first one though. Like you, you gotta, you gotta give it credit. I feel like I even, give, even, give even, it $10. even, yeah, yeah. Even though, <laughs> yeah, okay. It, even though, like Phelps, like his character, people didn't agree with like the way they did it. I mean, it's trying to keep true to some of the show elements. Um, and there's just iconic scenes. I don't know. I think you, you, like you guys are right. You have to go see this film. Is that scene in Langley the most iconic Mission Impossible scene? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. I think it is. Yes. I would it agree is. with that. It is. Agree, which is why I gave it a 10, because that one scene is... That's Did all. you see the physique though? That oh yeah, that's uh, that's that's why I got such a high, uh, that's why I'm willing to spend five dollars. Six pack. Is... Oh, went from a zero to a five. What's yeah. weird okay. is that the movies get greater. His physique does not throughout the movies. Yeah. He really gets older. Believe it or not, <laughs> you're not gonna believe this, but uh, as time goes on, we all get older. Yeah. Um, speaking of time, um, so yes, this is Mission Impossible, and um, I'm anticipating that we might watch. All the films in the series eventually, as time goes on. Duh. So, maybe what I'm, what I'm gonna do is start clocking when Tom Cruise starts running <laughs> in this film. Well, his run. I, yeah. oh, there's yes. times when you want to just look like, like he's running because yes. you know he's working out. Yeah, I'm not, and he's running like in a, in like a three piece suit or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so that's weird. I feel like you guys are really admiring his athleticism. Well, you right shut now. the fuck up on his physique. <laughs> So Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 1 starts running at 22 minutes and 35 seconds. So that's when he starts running in this movie. So the next time we do Mission, when we do Mission Impossible 2 eventually down the line. Ghost Protocol. Well, we're going to do them all, of course. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. Mixer. We're, we're going we're gonna to keep track of when he starts running. So this movie, he's at 22.35. That's when he starts running. And I believe... Uh, I didn't have the duration. There's probably like a super cut on YouTube or something. But 22.35 is when he starts running. And I believe that's when he runs up the stairs after Phelps shoots himself on the bridge. Right. So this movie got an average of what? $10. All right. So we would pay... You know, ten dollars to watch Mission Impossible. That's our that's our final rating on Mission Impossible. I'm good with that. I'm right. good with that. I'm cool with that too. Uh, any Jason, you cool with that? Well, I mean, it's better than five. I, we're in double digits. <laughs> I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Okay, but you know, you know, we gave this movie a ten because Tom Cruise's physique is a ten. <laughs> Well, there's just that one part where he's he's climbing up and he's just you know his bicep and he's like really big. All right, all right, slow, slow the foot down. All right, relax, relax there, guy. All right, so any closing comments from anybody before we sign off? Just lasagna. Don't get any on you. <laughs> We're out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Twenty Dollar Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at Twenty Dollar Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20ticket at gmail.com. That's 20, the numbers, $20ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, and thank you for listening.